Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ali Riley is the captain of two football teams, the national team in New Zealand and Angel City FC in the NWSL. The fullback is this week's guest on the podcast. Riley has 145 appearances with the New Zealand national team and she made her debut back in 2007. Some might say that it was in Sweden and in the Damalsvenskan that Riley's career really took off. She signed with FC Rosengård, former LDB Malmö, in 2012 and stayed in Sweden till 2018 when she went to Chelsea in England. She stayed with the Blues for one season before heading off to the Frauen Bundesliga and FC Bayern München. She then signed with Orlando Pride, but due to the corona pandemic, Riley went on loan to FC Rosengård when the NWSL season was postponed. On January 27, 2022, Riley was traded to Angel City FC. Now she is looking forward to the World Cup 2023 when she will lead her national team out on home soil. You are listening to their pitch and this is the Ali Riley episode. It's Tuesday the 27th of September and we're back with a new episode. Today we have uh, Ali Riley who's actually on the other side of the world. Um, it's getting close to midnight in Sweden, but it's not nowhere near midnight where you're at. How are you doing? Yeah, we've um, got a little bit better weather here in Los Angeles than I think you guys have, but it's uh, getting to the end of the season. So lots of emotions, very It's been very exciting and yeah, excited to talk to you about it, about it all. Yeah, we're, we're going to go through everything and we're super excited to, to have you on and uh, very thankful that you wanted to do this. Um, so I feel like this is going to be a great episode. We, we usually start off because we, we, we've had a lot of Scandinavian people on here, um, but we usually start off with letting our guests say their, their name, their full name, just how you pronounce it. Um, <laughs> I mean... I would say Allie Riley isn't too hard. But <laughs> well, when I was in Sweden, it was a very unusual name. So it didn't get pronounced um, correctly very often. So I, I appreciate um, <laughs> what what you're doing. But yes, Allie, Allie Riley is how so you pronounce my now name. Now they know if you ever do come back to Sweden, they know that that's how they pronounce it. It's still hard. I, I understand. Allie, I'm going to read a quote from somebody who knows you very well. Um, you're going to have to guess. And yeah, I think you're going to get it because there's a lot of hints in this one. Um, Allie Riley is a star. She's the most positive person and someone that everyone wants on their team. She's the captain for the New Zealand national team and for Angel City in the NWSL. She spent most of her career playing for Rosengård and still calls Sweden home. She also She's also a great cook and has a recipe book coming out next year. 
She also has a future in wedding planning. She loves her sleep and is always the last one at breakfast when we're, when we're on camp. She speaks fluent Swedish, although speaks it with a slightly weird accent. She loves to travel and is always up for an adventure. Her energy is infectious and she's always fun to be around. Who do you think that is? Well, I'm pretty sure it's Aaron Naylor, but um, she, whoever it was, if it was Aaron, kind of just regurgitated facts that I already know about my life. But there were some good hints in there. <laughs> and I can you I would say that you nailed it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Didn't really say that much about how, how she feels about me, but she did tell facts about my life, which were accurate. Yeah. <laughs> which... <laughs> I mean, I feel like most positive person, energy is infectious. I feel like those are nice. Those fun were to be around. nice things. But I, <laughs> it wasn't helpful to tell me like where I play it and <laughs> that I have a cookbook. <laughs> those things were not hints at all. <laughs> did, you, did you already know that? That you have a cookbook coming out? But actually, that maybe was telling because that is so classic Erin to kind of take that and somehow find her own way to um, answer the question. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've gotten quite a, a lot of different quotes from everyone, you know, when you ask somebody because everyone's their own individual. So sometimes you get a lot about just like inside jokes. We get quite a lot of those. Um, and then sometimes we just get, this is who they are on the field. And then no, 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 no hint. So, <laughs> so it makes it hard for people, but, but Ellie, for, for those who, who don't know you that as well as Aaron does, um, you've, you've played in Europe for, for a long time before you went to the NWSL. What what made you what made you leave Europe to begin well, with? Well, it probably is helpful to talk about why I went to Europe. Um, you know, I, Let's start there, <laughs> I am from from Los Angeles and I got drafted after playing college to to play in the league, the professional league here, the the women's professional soccer league, as it was called then. And I loved it. I won two championships with the two different teams I was on and then the league folded. So I was forced to make this decision to not wait for a third rendition of a league here and go try my luck somewhere else in preparation of the 2012 Olympics. And I feel so lucky. It was really just a crazy, crazy coincidental chain of events that got me to Malma. Um, and then once I was there, I, I loved it so much. I made a home for myself. I learned the language. We played Champions League every year. We would go far in Champions League. I felt like I developed so much as a player, as a person, um, was still playing for New Zealand, which was a long travel from Sweden, I must say, to go all the way to New Zealand. Um, and then after leaving the Damasvenskin and going to play in England and Germany when the American League had come back and was going on its eighth season um, and a team in Orlando who had some very familiar faces got in touch and just really, really wanted me to come back and to contribute and to lead at a team in, in a warm city. Um, and that was actually the same year around the same time that Kobe Bryant passed away. And 
just I had this overwhelming feeling that I wanted to go home and I wanted to be close to my family. My parents are getting older. I had been eight years away from home um, with not that much time to even go home and, and visit because of the the schedule with it being so far away and with national team. And basically the the opportunity was too good to pass up and and Orlando bought me out of the the rest of my contract and and paid the transfer fee to to Bayern and Florida is not is not California but it was a lot closer and my mom was able to come and visit and come to games um I got home to see my dad and it just felt like it was the right time to come home. And I'm so glad I did because that then eventually got me to Los Angeles and Angel City, which actually is my home. And now I feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And it took a couple years to kind of slowly make my way back into to this direction. But I experienced so many amazing things in Europe and amazing teams and and teammates and just different very different uh approaches to kind of soccer to culture to um engaging with fans and media and having different roles on those teams and so after all of that I felt I had so much experience and so many, so much information I could use to make a really big impact on a team in the NWSL in a culture and a country that I was very familiar with. And I felt like I, I have this wealth of knowledge now to help encourage young players in this country and for the national team to find what culture, what team is best for them to use my connections to help them. And here I have a platform to really, really make a difference. And I think this league is one of the top leagues. So it's not like it was a step down with the soccer. It's different soccer, but it is a huge step up in terms of the audience that I can reach and the difference I can make and the impact I can make in different communities. And that is really what is the most important to me. Let's let's stay stay in Europe for a bit because we, we're going to talk a lot about Angels FC and NW, NWSL as a league in whole. Um, but but let's just stay in Europe for a bit. Um, when you you talked about you know FC Rosengård and and going there um, when you did because of the the league folding, do you think that with the like with the I think like the development of Dalmas Svenskan or like the evolution of soccer in, in 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 Europe and how all the other leagues have been getting better that maybe you went to to Rosengård at, at the the exact perfect time like the timing was just perfect they're they're at their high they're they're in they're in Europe they're doing really really well and now if you look at teams from Sweden they're not as competitive with with like Europe they're they're out there in Champions League but they don't make it very far does my question make sense yeah Yeah, I it's hard for me to know what was going on in Sweden before I went there, of course, or in Europe in general, because when we talk about visibility and um coverage of women's sports, that is so different today than it was in 2010, 2008, 2006, you know, when I was going through this kind of formative years of knowing that I wanted to play professionally and and graduating from 
high school, graduating from college. It's so different now. So before I actually was on my way to Sweden, I didn't know anything about the league there. But I do know that that club, Bay at the time, um, was already very successful. Um, the reason I was able to go there was because a fullback injured herself in the quarterfinal of Champions League. Um, and when I got there, you know, the players there, it was such a high, high level. I do know that when I came, it was the same time as, you know, Anya Mitag. And then two years later, three years later, oh, Sarah Bjork was there, Ramona Bachman, and then having Marta come, Lika Martins. Um, and this is when Amanda Illestet was so young and just Ellen Rubinson. And I think um, it was an amazing time to be in Sweden. Um, I think going back there on loan in 2020, the I think the league is still as competitive with each other. It's still a league that I would recommend. I mean, beyond the end, besides the NWSL, which you're looking at, like the top nine teams are all within like so few points of each other. It's always just a battle at the death, like to try to make playoffs. But I think the Dama Svenskin is the same. Yes, you have some expectations with a newly promoted team versus a team in the top two in terms of what the results are going to look like. But the play and the level, I think, is so competitive. And it's a league that I would encourage players to to try if they want to make a name for themselves and they want to learn more, you know, tactical, technical, get good coaching, have a professional environment. But I think the difference is that the other leagues have really, really, really gotten better. And not just, it's not like just that suddenly the leagues got better. It's because the investment is so much more and the media attention and the opportunities for players off the field, like for sponsorships. Um, again, a lot of us want to make money, of course. Play good soccer is another thing. Make money, get have good coaching, um, have good resources and conditions. But also a lot of us, again, want to have a platform to make a difference. And that can come hand in hand with making money because the larger your platform is, which may or may not be related to how well you're playing. It's kind of just what the opportunities are. I didn't play that much in Chelsea, but I found myself at a club that had an incredible media team. They understood that I loved talking to the media. I loved engaging with people. And that's something that fans like, that's something that companies like, that sponsors like. Um, and it also gave me a purpose beyond being a soccer player, which is hard when you're not playing a lot and when you're injured. So I think all of the things kind of surrounding now the game, which is so important for women players, is has slowed down or has never... has It didn't slow down. It hasn't like escalated has it increased in Sweden, even in Germany, which I also experienced. So that's where you're looking at the engagement of the fans in Italy. I don't know so much about Spain, but obviously if you're looking at Barcelona's kind of engagements and their content, um, and of course, England and the NWSL, I think that you just see with the Frauen Bundesliga and the Damasvenskin that they just aren't keeping up with that big aspect that is becoming so vital to players when we're trying to make a living, make a name for ourselves. Um, but again, it depends on what you're looking for, because if players are able to have a good salary or for whatever reason, have the financial means, um, you will find so much professionalism, such good people, family vibes. You'll be taken care of. Everyone speaks English in Sweden. 
So I can't like talk enough about that league. And I do think that the level is still high, but it gets so hard when you leave the league and have to go play champions league against some of these big clubs and even leagues that aren't top leagues, but have one or two teams that are getting super, super invested in that's the team that you might come up against in now the group stage of champions league. So it's really, really hard, or that's even to get into the actual champions league. So I think the changing of the structure of champions league, along with the um, investment that other leagues and clubs are doing, it's really hard for the Damasvenskin to keep up, but it has become kind of this like springboard league. And there's something to be said for that too. That's super important. And soccer is a crazy game. You never know. You have like, that's what's so cool about champions league that it's just sometimes can come down to the day. Um, And I still, I still believe that a team like Duesengord can, can do well, but it's, it's getting harder and harder. Um, Speaking of uh, Duesengord, and the Champions League, when we're recording this, Ajax just played 2-2 two to two against Arsenal in the Champions League, which is probably something a lot of people did not expect. Um, Definitely uh, not. The coach, the Arsenal coach, Jonas coach Edeval, um, you played for him during your time in Rosengold, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what is there to be be said about him as a coach and his uh, coaching style? You know, I think we have both evolved so much probably since the first time he coached me, which I want to say was 2013. Um, and watching him just really embrace this, the top level of women's soccer in England is so cool for him to get that job. And then to see him and Arteta, like taking photos, blowing it up um, when they extended their contracts, I'm really proud of him. And I think when I went on loan um, and he just, you know, had started his family and, and his little twins. And I think that he's someone that I can learn from as like, I mean, who knows? He could coach me again one day, but like, just, I don't want to say a friend, but someone that I think we have a really good, like respect for each other. Um, I learned a lot from him. I think he, he had so much, he really knew how to get the respect of a team filled with very, very star power, not ego, but just amazing players. And it's hard to like, do the the management side. I think that's probably one of the hardest things that all players, all coaches, like the hardest part of their job. Plus the higher level you go and the better the team is similar um, for someone like Emma Hayes, who's just spoiled for choice. The management side is really hard. Um, but I think he just from my experiences with him has really shown like the human side, which is really important. Um, and we know each other really well. And it, I think it's awesome that, well, I guess now the result was probably not uh, ideal today, but before I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I'm just really happy for him. And I think Arsenal had a really strong season. It came, it was pretty close in the end. And I just think it's so cool to see like him and Emma Hayes like duking it out and they have these big personalities and big followings. And he also was doing some of the, um, like the punditry for the Euros and he did such a good job. And I think it's someone who like can give criticism and critique, but in a, in a really good way, you know, that he always wants the best out of you. Um, I don't think he would ever like attack a player's character, but he has really, really high standards and, and 
that's why he got that job. And he did so well at Dusengord for so many years, two different times. Um, yeah. So it was really cool to have a chance to play for him when he was kind of like just starting out in the women's game and then now see how well he's doing now. We're going to move on from, from Europe and we're going to go to, to the NWSL. Um, you talked a little bit in the beginning about, um, was it women's super league? Was that what it, what it was called? Uh, the women's, it, the WPS women's professional. Okay. W, okay. So, so WPS. So, so they folded, um, and the U S they've had a history of, 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 um, leagues folding. That was yes. not the last time. <laughs> Or was it or was it that was the second? Yeah. So the, the WUSA folded and then the WPS folded and now we're on the NWSL, which is not going to fold. <laughs> yeah. So and that leads me <laughs> to the question is, why do you think that the, the NWSL is, is surviving as long as it has? Because I don't think a lot of people expected it to. Right. Which is why I was terrified to come back. It was so traumatic when the league folded and going to Europe. And it was so refreshing to have just like leagues that felt so stable and clubs that felt so stable. Although we did see a Swedish league fold in my uh, team fold in my time. Um, I think that the NWSL for, for better and for worse, it did start out very small and then has grown slowly, but steadily over the past 10 years. And it's one of those things that, as a player, it's really tough because you don't want players having to have these really shitty salaries and live off basically nothing or have to have a host family. And especially with the trading system here. So you're already earning nothing. You probably have two jobs on the side and you can get traded at the drop of a hat, find out, you know, over an email or in social media that you're getting sent to another team. So there was a lot of bad, but because they started small and basically the league has been protected over the players. It has allowed the league to steadily and slowly grow to what we have today, where we have a CBA. Um, the union was formed a couple of years ago. We have the first ever collective bargaining agreement. We have a, a kind of free agency ish in the works, depending on how many years you've played here. Um, and we have players who are so empowered and we will fight for what is right and what we believe in. We have now experienced scandals and abuse, verbal abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse in this league. And the players have demanded that action be taken, investigations be initiated. Um, we have had social justice movements together and I just think that finally it's what the players have done and also society and important figures like the investors and owners of Angel City are like, it's not a charity. Women's sports is a good investment and it's taken way too long for people to finally realize that social media, I think has been a huge part of like providing evidence because you might not put us on your main main channel, whatever primetime TV. But when you look at how many hits, how many hits highlights are getting the engagement of your public figures, the team, the players in the leagues. Um, and you're looking at viewership numbers on these other streaming sites, people are watching women's sports. And so I think this league has finally got the kind of backing investment and, but no thanks to them, the players 
who are ready to make sure that this league doesn't go anywhere and you are paying attention to us and what we have to say and that we we deserve to be treated fairly and treated respectfully. I must say that when I was um, one thing that now that that the NWSL also is doing different than any other league is that they're streaming their games on Twitch for free. So if you're a football fan, only if you're outside of the U.S. So it's not so great for from my family here, but for Lucas in Sweden, it's he can a, see all the games. I, I remember when I was they used to stream them on YouTube, and when I used to, when I studied, yeah, you'd be able to stay up quite late, and you know the games are at like three a.m., four a.m. So I used to watch these games. So for me, it's very thankful that they're they're making the games available here in Europe through Twitch. Which is also something I think that the leagues in Europe should be doing so that they could stream to the people in in the U.S. watching or any other place in the world, because I feel like that would also help grow the game. But when talking about growing the game, you talked about the investors at, at Angels FC. You guys, that's a massive lineup, I must say. How how is it to to come to a club like Angels FC? They're they're they've just started up, and to know that there, there are serious investors with with a vision to to make. From from my from like from my point of view, that they want to make this the best the best club in the world or like the U.S. or even the world. I would say like they're very serious about this. Yeah, it's I'm so 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 happy to be here and to be part of this movement because that's what it is. It is there is this vision, there is a mission. This is a movement to change society, to change sport, to change the world because what they're doing with these high profile investors, both, I mean, the club is mostly women led and women driven. Um, but we have very important male allies who of course are the ones who are the key holders still, who are the ones who have the most seats at the table. There's a good combination of those two types of owners who are essentially saying, this is what we're doing. Look at, that how how well it's working and here's how you can do it too it's not to just be the only club in the nwsl or in the in the world or whatever no we the whole point is that to normalize this so other clubs around the world can do the same thing and have the same number of fans in the stadium to have the same merchandise sales to have the same um revenue and sponsorship dollars because and 10% of that is going to charity. So there's it's like not only are we making enough money to build this club, but we're making enough money that we're donating so much of it. And again, I just for for me that is like it gives me so much purpose and for players I think having a purpose is so important because all of us want to be good soccer players. Um, but you can kind of do that. I'm not going to say anywhere, but there are so many places you can do that now. But for me, if you really want to get the best out of yourself and be driven because you're going to have days where you feel like shit, you're going to have days where you read something online or you're criticized or you make mistakes to have a purpose that's bigger than yourself is what gives you the perspective to do your best and just play and be free and shut out all of the noise. And it's hard as as a player, as an athlete with so many eyes on you. And that's the thing. 
the bigger your club is, the more people are watching, the more visibility it comes with the media coverage. It comes with the criticism. It comes with racism. It comes with trolls. And so if you're at a club that gives you the support resources and then has this like greater purpose that you're aligned with, it just, it's such a difference maker. And for me, especially when we play at home and we have traveling fans, we have our social media just blows up. We have, fans that are connecting to us in so many different ways. When I play at the bank um, and meet our fans and hear the fans and the support they've given us in our first year, like we have been, this team has been in existence for eight months. I didn't know the players on this team before February 1st. And for us to come to the stadium and people tell me that Angel City has changed their lives. They have tattoos, real tattoos of our club emblem. Um, and that they come to the games and it is the best day of the week that they feel safe and they, they feel safe to be their authentic selves at the game. Um, they feel safe when they don't feel safe at home. They feel seen, they feel just supported and connected. And that's what sport should be right? Like that's why we love it so much, but the bigger it gets when there's so much money involved, especially on the men's side and you see all these hateful things happening, it starts to kind of move away from that. And I just think that angel city, if you come and experience that one time, you will want to come back. And for anyone else who is from somewhere else, another city, another country, you want to have that where you're from. And as a player, you want to play in that. So I think, yeah, it's unbelievable what the owners have done, what the investors have done. And again, it's like it what's not out of charity. It's because it was a good investment for them. And that's what we're trying to normalize. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. And with that being said, we're going to move on to the tactical analysis. And I'm you guys won't have to put up with me anymore, so I'm going to mute myself. Let, let's talk about the story behind you playing as a defender. Why, why do you play that position? <laughs> well, not by choice. <laughs> I, um, I was playing as kind of like a winger, wide midfielder when I was growing up because I'm pretty much a runner, not a soccer player. And then when I started playing kind of the same time for the national team and for in at Stanford, um, we had these incredible forwards, Kristen Press and Kelly O'Hara were two of them. And we got another top rookie and my coach, who's still the coach at Stanford and is probably one of the best coaches, if not the best coach that, that I've ever had in terms of my, my experience and my growth while I was at Stanford, Paul Ratcliffe, he was like, I'm going to promote you to a fullback. <laughs> Yes, yes, because, you know, it's so much better to be a defender. And it was just such a good fit. And, you know, I, as a forward, I was always hanging out so wide and I'm always passing instead of shooting. And I, I like defending, not, not like it as in 
it's better than scoring goals. But I have always had that kind of just knack or it kind of, I don't know what the right word is, but like it's been a priority to it's when I was little, instead of kind of following the ball around, my dad always says that like, as soon as the ball kind of popped out, I would like run back to the goal. So I had this like instinct when I was already really young, which is not great as a forward. Um, and it's just a lot of running, which is something that I can do. <laughs> yeah. And, and the position you play also is you have to be very flexible um, in order to like, sometimes you play, play as a wing back and sometimes you play as a fullback. But do you, do you think that since you started playing and since you have been playing in different leagues, what, how, how has the role uh, as a defender fullback slash wing back? Do you think that, that has changed anything from when you started to play? I think that I started at a time where, again, Paul Ratcliffe was really, I don't want to say ahead of his time, but he was already, especially when we had such a good team at Stanford, already on that kind of attacking fullback train. So I didn't realize that that was, that was something new, but that's probably why we were successful. Not because I was the fullback, but because we had our fullback so much higher up. We did have a lot of possession and um and then going to Sweden for me it was well so then I started playing in the league here. And again, it was something that the teams I was on, it's I, I just thought that was that was normal. But I think when you have athletic fullbacks, that's when you can do it. And the game was really evolving and you were seeing kind of the wingbacks start to come in into the men's game. And yeah, I think now there is a lot of shift between like this back, if you weren't going to have a back four and if you're going to have overlapping fullbacks or if you're just going to straight up go to wingbacks, whether it's three, four, three or three, five, two. I think a lot of it also depends on the center backs you have. And when we're with the national team, what the opposition, it's, it's a lot of tactics. So I think for me, what I've noticed is more like coaches in this league and for national team, when you see a team that's like, oh, they always have played this way. And then all of a sudden they're starting to change when they have a new coach or when they have different players. So now there is this flexibility, but a lot of it is with center backs and fullbacks who are traditionally being a defender was just such a you kind of wore it like with a badge of honor too because you're like i tackle people and you don't run that much but you're like a beast and now you have players who were center midfielders who are now converting to center backs or wingers often becoming fullbacks so you know how to manipulate the ball you're comfortable under pressure and that's what's changing so much um and in the teams I've been in recently, like we've kind of tried it and then you see how it works and then you switch back. And so with, with angel city, we've, we've played with the back four, but yeah, I just think now when the level is so high and so many, there's so many quality players out there that when you have an attack, you feel comfortable sending extra numbers up, but then it's awesome because the other team is, probably also trying to do that. So in the, in the league here, it's so transitional, but I think you're seeing it more on the international level as well. But then if you're like us and 
sometimes with New Zealand, you know, you're going to be an underdog, you know, you're going to be defending a lot. Then you're like, no, we're going to hold players lower. We might try to go more direct and, and turn a team in transition. We have really, really speedy forwards. So yeah, there it's, there is definitely a lot going on in how the game is evolving, but it's so funny because you start going one way and then teams are like, Oh no, they go to a four, two, three, one. Like there's, it's always this game that goes back and forth. It's the same in the men's. I mean, a lot of those who, who listens to this podcast usually wants to know the differences if a player we have on has played in different leagues. And you mentioned uh, it, it um, at the beginning when we started to record this, that the soccer or the football is not the same in Europe as it is in, in the NWSL. So what, what's the difference from between Europe and, and the US? But also, do you have any kind, kind of, have you seen any or felt any kind of differences between the clubs you have been uh, in, in Europe? Um, I think one of the major differences in Europe versus the NWSL is the NWSL is so, the players here are so athletic and so fast. So you're just high pressing all the time, which means that when a team has the ball, they're probably not going to try to play out as much, which means they go more direct. And then if you lose the ball, then you're high pressing. So it becomes this kind of like, then it becomes very transitional because you're trying to do the most with the players you have here and players are able to press high for so long, which is a pretty unique trait. You also have very, very good one V one wingers and forwards. You look at, I mean, they're sensational from Sophia Smith to Midge purse to Alex Morgan to Trinity Rodman, um, Sophia Jakobsen. You have these great attackers, um, which makes the play like they'll, they try to isolate you. And that's again different than these the the tactics. I think it's more tactic based instead of technical based, where you want to have a player going one v one at someone in the channel. Versus in Sweden, you're like, how are we going to combine? How are we going to get numbers? And it's the same when you're defending. You're trying to prevent anyone from getting isolated. And I think with the NWSL as well, what makes it different is there's so much turnover. So you don't have a team. There are very few teams. I would say Portland is one and OL Reign is one. Um, and they have been very successful and have played probably more of a style that you would compare to Europe because they have these tendencies and they've had good player retention. Um, they've had coaches that aren't American and they have a style that's recognizable and they kind of stick to it. And they again have some similar players or they try to get new players who will do what the club wants to do or always has done. Whereas, I mean, you look at Orlando this year versus Orlando last year. I mean, these teams are so different. And so all of a sudden you might trade to get one of these top wingers or technical players. So then you change your style or you have someone like a Taylor Corniak who is so tall with Alex running off the back line And you have this very successful style that San Diego is doing, which is very direct, which wouldn't necessarily be what you would have thought Casey Stoney would have done when she came into the league. But look how amazing they're doing. So I think that's that's very different from 
in Sweden, like with Rosengord always had a certain style. And then you kind of knew what like Kruponstad was going to do. And like, I don't know these teams and I would play these teams. I was also there for so long where it's still kind of new for me in the NWSL, but like, you know, for seven years, seasons, year after year after year, and you're making the same trips and these clubs have these identities. I think that's really, really cool. Um, and then, but when I went to Chelsea and Bayern, I think there were different players coming in and out and we kind of tried to start out with a three, um, at Chelsea and then ended up going back to a four. And then the following year, I think then they went to a three. Um, so, and those, those clubs have the athleticism and the technical players. So it is a little bit, there is a lot of tactic focus, but I would say that it feels a little more similar to what I had been used to or like what I've experienced here because it's like a very high quality. I have a coach here with Freya who wants to keep possession, but then recognizes you have like a Sam Kerr or if you have a Kristen press, like then there's that other dynamic you can use. So I think when you have a lot of top players, um, which is true in the NWSL and at a club like Chelsea and a club like Byron, you are able to be flexible, try different things. You wrote, you can rotate. Um, so with like the specific clubs I've been on, I didn't feel like things were super different. It was probably just from when I went from playing in the US, my first two pro years to going to Sweden was when it was like the biggest difference because on those clubs. And at that time we just like kicked it on the wing and crossed it. And then I went to Sweden and they were like, no, no, you're supposed to pass it to like a midfielder. <laughs> so that was, that was when I noticed the difference. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but not now when you go out to play a game today with your club uh, in the dub and WSL, uh, what, what information do you want uh, to know about your opponent and what informa- information do you need to know, do you think? I think it's important to identify key threats. Some players don't like that. Again, it's kind of individual. You think you can give an overview of an opposition, but not all players want to know like that the winger that you're going against is like so good and you're going to watch your highlights that can get in your head. But I do think identifying key threats and again, that can be hard in this league because teams can really change what they do from one game to the next. Um, And then I think some teams really probably just are able to focus. It depends. Like you're going to, you're like, we have, we're so we're doing something. We don't want to do it really well. This is what we're going to need to do to be successful, no matter what they kind of present. Like if we're good enough at this certain thing, then we should still do it. Even if the space is tight or even if they have a fast back line, like if we have fast forwards, like you still might want to play over the top. So it's like really identifying what our strengths are, what we've been working on in training that week. Um, and then also I think now we've had like with the referees, that's been like a whole nother thing. Like, taking into account some of the tendencies like with how the refs have been in terms of like the yellow cards or if they're calling things close or um, yeah, we've been seeing a lot of cards and like there were a lot of fines in the beginning of the year. Um, Like sometimes this league feels like the wild, wild West. So I think the more information, the better, but I, what I personally would want to know is like the tendencies of the player that I'm going to go up against um and any rot- like anyone who might rotate into that position 
and maybe how other teams have been successful scoring. But again, it's so hard when the teams match up so differently to each other. You have one team beating a team for one and then losing to an, like another team the next weekend that had like, it's, it's so the league is so it's so even here. So it's really, I don't know. I just kind of like talked in circles, but I think it's, it's hard to prepare for games. That's why it's so even in this league because there are so many good players who bring different things and teams are switching the style that they have depending on the availability report and what they think the opposition is going to do. <laughs> so with that, with, with, with that, we are saying to everyone in Europe, go to Twitch, watch the MWSL games. Yes. I, absolutely. Absolutely. It is such an exciting league and you see some like really, really sensational players amazing defense um and just a lot of these players i think who are fighting for this coveted position on the u.s national team yeah it's it makes it really exciting because they know that if they get onto that team it can change their whole lives i'm not saying that's you know we want to be lifting the professional game so players aren't necessarily feeling like they have to rely on making a national team but of course playing for your national team is the greatest honor and these players now especially having had this successful lawsuit and this new this new uh, contract they're going to be doing really well as they should be. and that was the perfect way to end this section let let's move on to the listeners questions which which always uh, is the most fun part uh, for some i mean the very genuine questions here Amanda, would you like to start? Happy underscore jam underscore bakes wants to know, or they say first before they want to know. Uh, Ali, you're a legend and you seem to always be so positive and upbeat. Can you talk about how you stay so positive and cool through all the ups and downs? How do you bounce back when it gets tough? I try to do mindfulness training and I love doing like gratitude work. So for me and being at Angel City has made that very easy because of what this club stands for. And it gives me so much perspective. And especially when I'm around my family, I'm able to just wake up every day and be like, I'm so lucky. And so when things get hard with soccer, um, it still sucks, of course. Um, but It's really such a small part of life and it's just a game. And I know that I'm always doing my best and it's taken me a long time to realize that that's enough. Don't get me wrong. I do extras every day. I'm still trying to develop when I make a mistake. It still, you know, kills me, but I know that it's not for lack of effort. And I think as an elite athlete, That's something that we need to prioritize. Otherwise, it can be really, really hard um, when you're so vulnerable and exposed in our profession. So, yeah, I think leaning on my teammates and like my close friends has really helped in terms of when I was injured um, at Chelsea when I wasn't playing. And now having had that experience and learning from that, I think... I just embrace every single day and I always want to make other people smile and feel good because yeah, that's like what life is all about. And if we're feeling good and have good energy, we can help other people not just be good at soccer, but 
again, that's like changing the world and making it impact is, is my priority. And I'm so lucky that I get to do that through soccer, but I think having a positive outlook and being someone that can bring joy to other people, not just on my team is like the biggest impact I can make besides like having a good game. You know, it goes so much far beyond that. Pretty sure a happy jam bakes will be very happy with that answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope so. At uh, says this first. Uh, yes, I'm so excited about this. My personal opinion is that every team uh, needs one Ali Riley. Uh, question. Ali has been in so many leagues and teams. How easy is it for her to adapt or what helps uh, when doing that? I really think that at least trying to learn the language when you go somewhere is really important and it goes a really long way with people. And why shouldn't we at least try when, when you're going to someone else's home and culture. And I think it's that really fine balance of adapting to a culture that already exists, but then also bringing your uniqueness to that team. Um, And so I think that's for me, when I go to a new team and I give everything every day and I encourage my teammates and I'm positive and um, I do whatever I can to help them. That, that is the kind of thing you can bring that is not like going against anyone's culture. Like that's something that I think will be appreciated like in all lines of work. Um, But then making an effort to learn a language or understand different customs. um, That's important to do to give back. And I think having open-minded teammates, having teammates that do speak your language does help, but then you shouldn't take that for granted. I think then you should like, that was the biggest difference for me was learning Swedish when I went to Sweden. Um, But I do think it can be really tricky to, especially if you're far from home and your family and if things aren't going your way, whether it's soccer, outside soccer, Um, it's really hard and people get homesick. And I think that's what stops a lot of players from going abroad. And so what I would say to them is like to give it a, give it a shot because you might love it. And if you don't, you can go to another country. You could go to another team. You can always go home, but I just think you got to give yourself a chance. Like if you really want to be the best soccer player you can be, and you really want to have like experience the world, you have to try. And then if it doesn't work out, like, My German, I didn't get very far learning German, but I tried. <laughs> Trish Noon underscore. And we, we, we're kind of hoping that this is some sort of like inside joke that you know this person, maybe you don't. Or if you're very well known for, for doing this, but um, this is the question that I moved, by the way. But Trish Noon underscore on Instagram wants you to tell us your favorite dad joke. Oh, gosh. That's because Vanessa Gilles always tells terrible bad dad jokes. Um, I don't have a favorite because I try not to memorize them because I don't use them. <laughs> um, but Vanessa had a lot of good ones and she posts about them. So I would I would direct this person to Vanessa Gilles, who unfortunately now is not at Angel City anymore, but is very, I'm very excited and proud of her that she is at Lou. Uh, so me underscore Collins 19 uh, wants to know 
what you think about this. Uh, what can footballers, their clubs, etc., do to support and grow women's Kiwi football? Oh my gosh! Um, I think we have s- such amazing supporters in the women's game, and that's just that question alone really shows how amazing our supporters are. And that's why I get so fired up about giving kind of the access because we have the supporters, we have the people who are interested, but they don't know how to support us. They aren't, they're not able to buy our jerseys. They're not able to watch the games because there are no streams or links or whatever. So I would say tell all your friends about the football ferns. And come and support us for the World Cup. If you can't go to New Zealand, I totally understand. But just talking about the sport, I think language is also important. It's not a World Cup and a Women's World Cup. It's not soccer and women's soccer. It is men's soccer and women's soccer, the men's World Cup, the women's World Cup. And I think we will do our best to try to make sure that you can watch our games and buy our jerseys and I will try to, you know, put out any links or any information I can and then just spread the word. But I know it's not easy being a women's soccer fan, which really sucks. That's part of the problem. We have one last one. Mexico underscore oh six wants to know, do you you do you remember your fans from Bayern Munich? Of course. Oh my gosh. We had such good fans and everyone was so nice. And I loved the city and my teammates were wonderful. And I did have such a good time there. I didn't get to play a lot, which was tough. And kind of the, the prospect of going home, like I mentioned earlier, it was just too good of a situation to pass up, but I really enjoyed my time there. And I love taking selfies with the fans after our games <laughs> and that club. I, I really am happy to see how well they're doing excited about, you know, this season and with a new coach and new players and some, some good friends who have made the the trip there um, and some who have left, but I think that it is a club that will continue to like keep growing and could definitely win Champions League uh, sometime soon. So yeah, great, amazing fans in, at Bayern Munich. And this person also has another question in it is, how is it to play with Ottoman Schultz? Oh my gosh, we call her Smoking Al, Big Al. She is, she is unbelievable. And what she has done being the first German player to come back after having kids and what she's been fighting for in terms of getting the support she needs from Germany. I just, I am, I have so much respect for her and she is so freaking good and she's so tall and no one can score on her. It's so annoying. Um, And I've been trying to use my German with her. It's so horrible. I'm going to try to like, with her kids instead they're two so it feels like a little bit of a safer space to like speak german um but she's she's amazing what a cool addition to angel city really that is someone she's gonna have a lot of fans i need her to get on instagram but it doesn't seem to be her thing so yeah it's really cool to have met her family and she at training wow she's so great so i think next year will be very exciting you know we have we have three really great goalkeepers here. Um, But 
I feel really lucky to have now overlapped with with Almit and hopefully for a few more years because I've followed her for such a long time. How can you not when you play in Europe, you know who Almit Schuld is and now she's here, which is so cool. Living her Hollywood dream. Spending a lot of time at Hollywood Boulevard. That's where she hangs out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Um, with that being said, that's the that's the last of that section. So we're gonna go to the this or that. And before we recorded, uh, I warned you. I said you don't get to think. We want them rapid fire. We don't want an explanation. I just want it to move quick. So I'll start. Um, playing fullback with a back four or as a wing back with a back three. I'm going to say back four. A perfectly timed slide tackle or intercepting the ball when it's about to break the line. Slide tackle. When beating pressure, would you rather dribble on your own or progress up the pitch with perfect one-touch passes together with a teammate? Oh, combine. I'm a runner. Coming on from the bench to make an impact to get the win or starting a game and playing a full 90 minutes where you either draw or lose. Win. Assist one or score one yourself. Score. And with that being said, it brings us to the end of this episode. Ali, thank you so much for for being on and we hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for having me and let me yak away for ages and ages. Yeah. No, we we loved it and <laughs> it's it's been incredible. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 